Hi, this is Eric Ludi for the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you are enjoying these messages and want to take these truths even deeper, I invite you to join us in Windsor, Colorado at Ellerslie for one of our upcoming five-week or week-long discipleship training programs. Ellerslie's discipleship training has been designed to ignite your spiritual fire and to give you the tools for a Christianity that really works. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome back to session four in our Daily Thunder series on becoming a brave-hearted woman. So for those of you guys that have been listening, this is really building on Eric's series from last week on the immovable man. So if you haven't caught that, I would encourage you to listen to that. But this is also a great thing to listen to just to sort of have that vision of Christ-built femininity and encourage that and cheer that on in the women in your life. And if you're a woman of any age, I pray that these principles will be encouraging to you to just give you a vision of what is possible when Jesus Christ overtakes your life. We've been going through the four qualities of brave-hearted womanhood, and we talked about being a woman of valor. We talked about being a woman who is fulfilled in Christ. We talked about being a resilient woman, and in this session, we're going to be talking about being a grounded woman, grounded in truth, grounded in Jesus Christ, not pulled in every direction by people's ideas or the culture's thoughts or our own emotion, but anchored in Jesus Christ. Sort of like that parable that Jesus told where you have that house that is built upon a solid foundation rather than the house that's built upon sand. And so we're going to look at Hebrews 6.19. This is a hope that we have as the anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. An anchor of the soul. I love that. It's such a powerful illustration of what it means to be grounded and anchored in Jesus Christ. That no matter what hits us, no matter what thoughts and ideas are thrown at us, our, our soul is anchored in Jesus Christ. I think as women, we so need this truth to be real in our lives because most of us go through life being led by emotion and reactive to the situations that happen in our daily lives. Very reactive to what other people say, what other people do, what we think other people might think of us, our disappointments. And we're kind of like on a roller coaster ride rather than having that groundedness in Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about what does it mean to be truth-led versus emotions-led. In order to be a brave-hearted woman, we cannot allow our emotions to guide and dictate our actions and our decisions and our thoughts. We have to be grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ. And the most powerful quote I have ever heard about being truth-led versus emotions-led is from Elizabeth Elliot. And it says this, obedience to God is always possible. It is a deadly error to fall into the notion that when feelings are extremely strong, we can do nothing but act on them. Wow, I have been there so many times where my feelings are extremely strong and I fall into this mentality that I can do nothing but act upon my feelings. Even if that means storming out of the room and slamming the door and giving into just a tirade of emotion or venting frustration. None of these things are necessarily God's design for what I should be doing, but my emotions are so strong that I feel out of control. Like I just have to follow the lead of my emotions. But Elizabeth Elliot says here that obedience to God is always 
always possible, don't fall into this mindset that just because your feelings about something are extremely strong, you have no choice but to act on those feelings. If those feelings don't line up with the truth of Jesus Christ, bring them into subjection under the truth of Jesus Christ. Our feelings and our emotions are not bad, but they have to become submitted and yielded to the truth, the unchanging truth of Jesus Christ. What would have happened, and we've talked in the first episode about Mary Slessor and Gladys Sailward and how they faced these incredibly dangerous situations with resolve and courage and they were totally unflinching, but what would have happened if they were led by their emotions and their own fleshly desires in those situations? The outcome would have been completely different. And think about all the men and women who would have never come into the kingdom of God because they would have given into emotion and flesh rather than showcase the glory of God in that moment. The results actually could have been deadly even. There were lives at stake. And because they chose not to listen to emotion, but to be anchored and grounded in truth, to let truth lead them, the result was the glory of God was demonstrated, lives were saved, and the gospel was was preached. Here's a key truth that we need to understand when it comes to this idea of being truth-led versus emotions-led. We are often taught your heart is good. The culture has conditioned us to place a high value on our own desires in our own emotions, but we need to understand that God gives different directions when it comes to our own heart and our own emotions. It says in Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Just think about how opposite that, opposite that is from the message of our culture today. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. The culture is constantly saying your heart is good, your desires are good, follow your heart, follow your whims, follow your emotions. And God is saying, nope, if you trust your own heart versus trusting in me and being led by my truth, you are walking the way of the fool. And in Proverbs 18 too, it says, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. So just because you're feeling something does not mean it's right, unless it's subservient to the truth of God. You can easily get off track if you follow your emotions. So as women, we need to learn how to surrender our feelings and our emotions to the Spirit of God and let Him work that godly self-control within us. Our actions and our decisions have to be based on His truth, not our own feelings or whims or desires. Let's look at a really quick snapshot of why it's so dangerous to follow your heart as the culture is constantly telling us to do. This is what leads women to throw feminine mystery to the wind. It's like, I'm not going to guard anything. I'm just going to let everything be unguarded and, you know, in those single years, throw myself at men because I want to follow my heart and I want to be fulfilled in a relationship. And that's what leads to disasters in those single years. Or it leads married women to become discontent in their marriages. You know, your, your heart is leading you in this direction and your husband's just not on board. He's not catching the vision, but you need to go in this direction because that's what your heart is saying. And it leads them to become nagging and manipulative towards their husband. Or it leads women to scream at their children, storm out of their room when they're frustrated with someone, vents all their frustrations to emo and emotions to their girlfriends or on social media. It's even what leads women to be unfaithful in marriage, believing that because their feelings towards someone else are so strong, they have no choice but to act upon those feelings. Sort of like, well, I can't help it. I'm in love with this person now. And sadly, that's actually happening even in Christian marriages today. And it's often what causes us as women to spend our lives on shallow and selfish pursuits instead of eternal things because we're following our heart. We're doing what makes us 
us happy. And it's what causes us to shy away from difficult or challenging tasks under the banner of, hey, that's just not me. That's not my true passion. So many missionaries that Eric and I have talked to around the world are just eager for people who will come alongside them and serve in whatever way that is needed rather than demanding that the missionary work cater to their own whims. Sadly, because we as Christians and modern Christianity are taught to just follow our heart and do what makes us happy, we often take that mindset into ministry. So you go to the mission field or you go into some kind of ministry position and you think, well, I, I'm, you know, they're asking me to change diapers. They're asking me to wash dishes or scrub toilets or do this unromantic work. And hey, that's not my true passion. I have the right to follow my heart, do what I want to do. And that's a disaster in any type of kingdom work. When we follow our heart, it can even lead us to doubt God's love because we are basing it only on our feelings rather than on his unchanging fact, his truth. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. What men or women's opinions are doesn't matter. What our feelings say doesn't matter. Only what God says really matters. His opinion is the only one that counts. So if our opinions, our thoughts, our whims, our desires, our emotions don't line up with the word of God, we need to throw them out and revamp them to line up with his word. Our feelings do not affect God's facts. And I love that truth. It has been just a rock, a lifeline for me. And so many times, my feelings do not affect God's facts. And here's a story from Amy Carmichael, one of her books, where she was in a, a ministry, working in a ministry. She had had a very bad accident where she was confined to her bed for the last 20 years of her life, and she was partially crippled from the waist down. And so she really had to rely on the fact that she couldn't allow her emotions and her feelings to define her reality. Only God's truth could re define her reality. And this is an analogy that God gave her one day as she was laying in her bed and looking out her window at these beautiful mountains. She said, this evening the clouds lay low upon the mountains so that sometimes we could hardly see them. And sometimes the stars were nearly all covered. But as always, just when it seemed as though the mountains were going to be quite lost in the mist, the higher peaks pushed out. Even supposing the clouds had wholly covered the face of the mountains, the mountains would still have stood steadfast and the stars would not have ceased to shine. I thought of this and found it very comforting, as simple as it is, our feelings do not affect God's facts. They may blow up like clouds and cover the eternal things that we most truly believe. We may not see the shining of his promises, but still they shine. And the strength of the hills, that is his also. It is not for one moment less because of our human weakness. Heaven is no dream. Feelings come and go like clouds, but the hills and the stars abide. That is the mentality we need to take to God and to his word. His word, his truth is unchanging. Our feelings are all over the place. His word never changes, and our feelings do not affect his facts. Elizabeth Elliot said, We must keep a tight rein on our emotions. They may remain, but it is not they, meaning the emotions, who are to rule our actions. They have no authority. A life lived in God is not lived on the plane of feelings, but of the will. Unless we bring our emotions and our feelings under the authority of God's Spirit, we are going to be ineffective in our Christian life and unable to really impact this world for His glory. So the question comes up, what about my heart's desires? We are so often taught that our heart's desires are good and we should pursue those things. We need to understand this key truth. Our desires must first be yielded and surrendered to Him. As we delight in Him and build our lives around Him, He shapes the desires of our heart to align with His. It says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, at first glance, this may mean in your mind, well, if I just, you know, delight in God, he'll give me whatever I want. All of my whims will be fulfilled. But what actually that 
verse means is that he plants and places his desires within your heart. So as you delight in him, he shapes the desires of your heart to align with his. And one of the ways you know that God is shaping the desires of your heart is you start to desire very strange things, things that you never in your flesh would have wanted to do or you wouldn't have had that desire because a lot of times what God's plans and purposes are for us are very different than what we would plan for ourselves and yet he gives us a delight in those things. He places his desires with within our hearts as we delight in him. So think about the missionaries, Jim Elliott and the other missionaries who wanted to go and reach the Aka Indians, which was very, very dangerous work. They knew they might lose their lives and they were in the prime of their lives, but they wanted to go. And, it, and here they were going into hostile territory where they could very easily die. And people, you know, would have never, you couldn't have paid most people to go into that situation. And yet the way it was described with Jim Elliott and these other missionaries is that they were giddy like little children on Christmas morning. They had such a passion to go and even give up their lives that the glory of God would be ushered into that place. And Jackie Pullinger has a similar story, a missionary to the walled city of Hong Kong. This was a place where law enforcement wouldn't go and nobody wanted to go because it was a place that was so filthy and so crime infested and drug infested. And yet when she went there as a 19 year old girl, she couldn't wait to get back every day. She was at first living outside the city, eventually went to live there, but she just couldn't wait every day to get into the walled city, a place where nobody else would ever want to go. In my own life, I know that I've had experiences like this where I just have a desire or a burden or a passion for something. And when I take a step back, I think, why am I even wanting that? That's not something in my flesh that I would ever want. I remember when Eric and I were we had two young children at home. We had a lot of book deadlines, a lot of responsibilities, and we were presented with the concept of a young woman in our church who was, a, who was looking for a family for her unborn child. And both Eric and I had a passion, a desire to adopt that child, to be the answer to that need. And we began to pray, God, will you allow us to be the ones to raise this child? And then we sort of stopped and said, why are we even praying this? Like, that's just adding more complication to our life. But we knew it was a desire that God had placed in our hearts. So so the desires of our heart can be shaped to be in alignment with God's dreams and desires for us when we delight in him. It's not just about whatever our flesh or our whims or our human emotion want. That means we should just follow our heart. It's saying, Lord, no, I surrender all of those things to you. You shape the desires of your, our heart, my heart. And that's when the desires of our heart begin to guide us into his will and not just what our flesh wants. I want to share with you a few practical ways to be truth-led versus emotions-led. Because this is a very countercultural thing to do, and most of us have spent most of our life being led by emotion. The first is to surrender our emotions to God. This is something that I had to learn in my relationship with Eric. Before we were ever married, I had to constantly surrender my emotions to him because, it, it, to God. Because if I, was, if I was being led by my heart, I would have made very, very different decisions. I would have rushed ahead, tried to manipulate the relationship, tried to manipulate him to move forward more quickly. Instead, I was constantly just yielding back to God and saying, okay, Lord, if you desire to write this love story, you do it in your own time, your own way. I don't want my emotions to get in the way and rush things and get ahead of what you are doing. And that turned out to be such an important decision. If you read our, our books, you understand those key moments where I just said, no, Lord, I submit these emotions and these desires to you. And I never regretted for a moment making those choices to do that. Ask a new question. This is another practical. The, I have found such a life-changing 
understanding of how to be truth-led versus emotions-led when I say not how do I feel about this, but what does God say about this? So when I'm faced with a difficult situation, an unexpected disappointment, or something that is bothering me, or, or maybe a fear that I'm wrestling with, instead of asking the question, how do I feel about this? Let me just process my feelings. I go to the Word of God and I say, what do you say about this, Lord, in your Word, in your nature, in your truth? And I begin to say, this truth is my reality. It doesn't really matter how I feel about it. It matters what you say about this. So asking that new question can make such a big difference. There was a time when Eric and I were falsely accused by people that we had deeply loved and trusted. And we walked back out of that meeting. And I just remember being so disappointed, so hurt, having so much heartache over it. And immediately the emotions of fear and doubt and betrayal and hurt just started to flood over me. And God challenged me to ask that question, not what I feel about the situation, but what does he say about the situation? I started to go to the word of God and look for promises and truths that I could stand upon. And suddenly the clouds began to clear and my emotions were no longer screaming at me. And I said, even though I don't understand this or why this happened, I'm standing on the word of God. This is what he says, and this is going to be my reality. Take your thoughts captive and replace them with truth. So if you have thoughts that are very strong feelings or emotions, and they're bringing thoughts into your head that don't line up with God's word, choose to take those thoughts captive and replace those thoughts with truth. So one of the ways that I do this is whenever a thought comes into my head that I know is not in alignment with the word of God, I have a scripture ready. I pre-memorized a whole bunch of scriptures to say, okay, that's what my emotion says about the situation, but here's what God says. So I immediately replace that, that wrong thought with truth from the word of God. And at first, taking thoughts captive and replacing lies with truth can feel a little tedious and a little cumbersome, but as you begin to do it as a habit, it becomes just natural. For me, in my life, it's a natural thing that I do without almost even thinking about it because I practiced that for so many years. And I'm not saying I'm perfect in these areas. These are just things that God has challenged me to do for many, many years. And I can tell you from experience that they do become easier and they become more habitual the, the more you put them into practice. When we ask the question, not how do I feel about this, but what does God say about this? And when we say, I'm going to take lies captive and replace them with truth, it is so powerful. It can turn a whole situation on its head, a difficult situation completely on its head. So for example, when we're feeling alone or betrayed or someone let us down, instead of dwelling on that, we can say, Lord, you have said you will never leave me or forsake me. And that becomes what we focus on rather than the fact that we feel abandoned or rejected or betrayed. Or if something has happened in our life that we're so frustrated by or we're disappointed by, we can stand on the reality that God will turn everything that the enemy has meant for evil to good. And that becomes our reality rather than dwelling on our disappointment or our frustration. Or if we feel attacked or criticized or falsely accused or threatened, we can stand upon the promise where he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And that becomes our reality rather than what our emotions of fear or intimidation are screaming at us. Stand on the solid rock of God's word. Make God's word your lifeline. If you're going to be grounded in your femininity, be grounded in Christ, the only way to do that is to delight in the word of God and to make his word your lifeline. Don't make it an afterthought in your life, but immerse yourself in the word of God. Take delight in his word, understand his word, study his word, memorize his word, and don't just kind of take little bits and pieces of his word and blend it in with all these other Christian materials that are out there, some of which are very good, but they can never replace God's word. 
I would also encourage you to be wary of modern voices that try to put a new spin on the timeless truth of the word of God, kind of redefining what God actually said in his word to be more palatable for modern culture. And it kind of goes back to that classic lie in the Garden of Eden where Satan came to Eve and challenged her with that question, hey, did God really say that? I don't think that's what God really meant. He actually meant this. And that's what you see happening very subtly, sometimes not so subtly, in the church today where these modern voices are coming in and subtly twisting and changing what the timeless truth of the Word of God says. It's sort of like, well, God didn't really mean that. What he actually meant was this. Be very, very wary of voices like that and go back to the fact that God's Word is unchanging. Let God be true and every man a liar. So we've talked about becoming a woman of valor. That is a strength that is God's strength working through us and not something we can rise up to in our own strength. And that is brave-hearted womanhood. Then we've talked about several qualities of brave-hearted womanhood, being fulfilled in Christ and being resilient, rising up and being a spiritual athlete, not allowing self-pity to control us, and then being a grounded woman, anchored in truth, not allowing emotion to dictate our lives, but letting the truth of Jesus Christ dictate our lives. And I've talked all throughout this series about Christian biographies. One of the things I love about women like Amy Carmichael and Gladys Silward and Darlene Dibler and Corey Ten, but one common theme that you will see if you study these women's lives is that they were in a lot of situations where their emotions could have easily taken over. And if their emotions had taken over, they wouldn't have been the brave-hearted, heroic women that God had called them to be. They would have fallen apart, given into panic, given into fear, given into doubt, given into self-pity, and you you know, possibly even just gone insane because of the incredible hardship that they had to walk through. But because they based their life on his truth and their souls were anchored in him, in his truth, they knew the word of God. They made the word of God their lifeline. Their emotions came into submission under, under the submission of the word of God. You see this incredible steadiness through their lives, even when they went through really difficult things. And that can be the type of womanhood that each of us live out when we're willing to anchor our souls in Jesus Christ. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.